Amen. So if you have a Bible, open it up. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and maybe Bob can give you one out. If not, Matthew chapter 5, the words of Jesus. John looked at Luke chapter 4 last week. Temptation. And that Jesus is real and he is with us and he can help us through temptation. We're doing a series on the words of Jesus, the red print. So many wonderful, powerful, challenging things that he has said to us. Matthew chapter 5 this morning. This is one of the greatest teachings of Jesus and one that's often quoted. How many have heard of the Beatitudes? How many have memorized the Beatitudes? How many have had to memorize the Beatitudes? How many know them word for word? And maybe this will be a reminder for you in the sermon, but what a great way to remind us. So let's start in verse 1. In seeing the multitudes, he, that being Jesus, went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We'll stop there, but we know after that point, Jesus challenges them to be salt and light in the world. But before that, we have these amazing nine statements, the blessed statements, the Beatitudes. And we could reverse that and say, it's what our attitudes should be. Okay, that's what it means by Beatitudes. This is what your attitude should be. Nine statements. So Jesus on a mountaintop sits down. So in Jewish tradition, if a rabbi would preach, he would stand. If he would teach, he would sit. So maybe in the pulpit, we probably do more preaching, <laughs> at least I do, than teaching. But that holds true in our society. Maybe an academic um, institution You might hear there's the chair of the mathematics department in a university, meaning the head of that department, meaning from the chair comes the ultimate teaching, from sitting comes the teaching. That's why they say this, because that's Jewish tradition. So he sits, Jesus sits as the chair, the ultimate authority on what your attitude should be. So this is right from Jesus. This is right from God. We know that Jesus is the perfect image or representation or attitude of what God wants us to have. 
And as you look at this, you will see that each one of these nine things are completely and utterly demonstrated by Jesus while he was on earth. You might find, though, as you look at this, they're very hard. (laughs) The right attitude is hard. You remember your parents saying to you, your attitude determines your altitude. How you think determines how high you fly. If you're like me, you're like, I don't like these sometimes. They seem very difficult. But it certainly is true, with the Holy Spirit's help, if we can have these attitudes, it's excellent, but it's very difficult, as I was mentioning, because the world thinks different than Jesus. And the problem sometimes in Christianity is we try and blend them all together. And obviously there is some Christian thought in the world, but basically the thoughts of our flesh are going to be the opposite of the thoughts of Jesus. So the attitudes that come natural to us will be the opposite of the attitudes that Jesus wants us to have. Has anyone ever experienced maybe that battle? Yes, we can all say that. So as you enter into this and you look at these nine things, be aware that the world's thought is at enmity with God's thought, and don't try and bring them together, but realize the truth of Scripture. Amen? And too often we're trying to blend what the Bible says and what the world says, and it's very difficult because they're never meant to fit together. So here they are, nine, and by the way, it always starts with bless it, and that's a good thing. But actually, in Latin, or you look at the Greek, you could even say it, and maybe your Bible would say, happy, happy, happy are the poor. Oh, yeah, well, okay. (laughs) Now, understand that, because in our world, it's always saying, we just want to be happy. Here's nine keys to happiness. I could write a book, right? Nine keys to being happy. Oh, I want that. And the secular world would eat that up. How do I be happy? I want my life to be happy. What's the goal of your life? And you talk to people. Oh, you just want to be happy, right? Because if you're happy, everything else. But the reality is, it's not easy to be happy in our own ability or strength. And we come to realize it doesn't work that way. But here are nine keys to happiness. How you will be blessed. And by the way, that word blessed is used all over the Bible Right? Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed, blessed. It's happy are you knowing your sins are forgiven. Happy are you to take your counsel from the truth of God's word and not the world. It's the same thing. It's continual. It's God's truth to us. But I want you to notice in this, we can look at each verse independently But many years ago, when I looked at this, you can also see a little bit of a progression in the Beatitudes. So as we see what Jesus was saying, follow me, but happy are the poor in spirit. Now, if you're poor, you're like, yeah, happy it is it poor. But it doesn't say money. I just want to point that out. Now, Luke takes that a little further in his gospel. But here in Matthew, it's poor in spirit. It's not in body. It's not in physical things. It's poor in spirit. Meaning you have a contrite or broken spirit. 
Meaning you can't do it yourself. Meaning you can't get yourself out of situations. And in your brokenness, you look to Jesus. Happy are you if you're not trying to do it yourself because you're broken. Now you might say, I'm not broken. And I'll say, yes, you are. (laughs) I was just on the phone with someone the other day. And I said this, we are on a journey and each one of us has brokenness in our life. And you say, well, Pastor Dan, how do you know that? I know that because sin is what breaks us. Amen? And before we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we all have the brokenness of sin destroying us. Romans would say we are a slave to sin. So we are broken and poor in our spirit. But the good news is when we find Jesus, we become rich in him. And that's the promise that you will have the kingdom of heaven. So you are broken in your own strength. But happy are you to know that you can't do it yourself. Happy are you to know it's not about your ability and your strength and your riches. But it truly is in Jesus because you will have the kingdom of heaven. You will have eternity. Isaiah 66 makes it very clear that God dwells with the contrite of spirit. What does he do with the prideful? He hates the proud or he dislikes or he doesn't dwell with the proud. The Proverbs is very clear. And when you come to Jesus, you have to know this is the beginning point I cannot do it. I am poor in spirit. And if you're going to come today and think you can do it in your own ability and your own strength of spirit, you are going to be shocked at the disappointment, the distress, and the depression. Because only truly in Jesus can you find the kingdom of heaven. Well, once you know you're poor in spirit, happy are you who mourn. And I think there's a practical thing that God comforts those who mourn. Jesus showed us this himself. He mourned with those who mourned. He wept with those who wept, right? But there's something even deeper here that we need to mourn of our own sin. Because when we're broken, we mourn over our brokenness. Do you understand that? See, the first part is to understand you're poor. The second part is then to grieve over your own sin and know that Jesus is the solution. The more people I meet, as I mentioned before, I realize they're broken. And the the reality is, the more mourning that there is. And I think as believers, we do need to mourn over the reality that we can't do it and that we are broken. But once again, the promise, the happiness comes, is that Jesus will comfort us. Has anyone just blown it? And you're miserable? I know, not you guys. Okay, I have blown it. And I've even shed a tear at my own brokenness and failure. And I've mourned my failing. But what happens then? Happy am I that Jesus comforts me with the work of the cross. Come on, folks. Have you experienced the right attitude. It's not, oh, yes, sirree, I can do this. 
I'm not going to cry. Boys don't cry. Neither should girls. No one should cry. And for a long time, that's how we dealt. But if we mourn of the state of who we are in our flesh, Jesus in his work, in his love, in the cross, comforts us. And that is excellent. And that is reward. But what would the world say? Be strong. Be strong. You can do it. I have news for you. No, you can't. But Jesus says, I did it. And as you mourn, you truly will be comforted. And then you move on. Happy are the meek. And sometimes that word in this progression, okay, I'm poor, I'm mourning, and now you ask me to be meek? What is meek? What actually does the word mean? For me, it means weakling (laughs) when I see meek. But maybe you guys are biblical scholars and you know that meekness really is strength under control. That's what meekness is. Meekness isn't being weak. Meekness is choosing to be weak. And Jesus is the perfect example because he is lowly and meek. And that's why he says, come to me. And if your attitude is meekness because you know who you are, you have strength under control because Christ in you then can minister to others. This is the right attitude is meekness. The Greek word actually, to draw a picture for you, means a beautiful stallion that has been broken, that it can be ridden on to have great success. In its wildness, there's no success. But meekness is broken, but all that power and all that strength is there. And under the command of the master, it's used for God's glory. See, our attitude should not be, I'm better, I'm stronger. Our attitude should be, I am strength, Christ in me under control. And what a beautiful picture Jesus demonstrates in the garden of meekness. He could have called down angels in a moment, right? He could have called legions down. He could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. But his submission and all that power in obedience to the Father went to the cross that changed history forever. And that's the attitude you and I should have as we know we're broken and comforted and he lives in us. We have this meekness to accomplish For God's happy are you to be meek. Is that what the world would say? No, you got to respect yourself. It's your way. Come on, stand up for yourself. (sighs) Right? That's not what the word of God says. That's not the attitude of Jesus. But he says, happy are the meek. And note the promise. The first one was about heaven. This one's about earth. You will inherit the earth. God will bless you. God will use you for his glory. Happy then, as you're meek and under control, are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the promise. For you will be filled. We look at this, and often I've thought of this, and, you know, 
Psalm 42, you know, as a deer pants for the water, as it thirsts, God says that he will fill that person. And I've often thought of righteousness and hungering and doing it. But when I see that word righteousness, many years ago, my heart changed because I know there's no righteousness within myself. So I can hunger and thirst to do the right thing. But I really want you to know today that this is the hinge almost in this passage of our brokenness in our mourning as we hunger for righteousness being what? Not what we do, but Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. We are not righteous in ourselves. But as we hunger for Christ, who is our righteousness, his promise is, you will be filled with me. You are righteous today, not because of your activity, but you are righteous because Christ lives in you. So the idea is, if you hunger for him... He will fill you with himself. And if he lives in you, you are righteous. Amen. Amen. That's right. Because if you're sitting here today thinking it's in your own strength, well, that's not being poor in spirit. And I'm going to do it. Well, that's not mourning and meekness. And you think it's all about doing the right thing. You'll never satisfy yourself or do enough. It's only Christ in you that is complete righteousness. And I have this promise for you today from the word of God, from the word of Jesus. If you seek him and hunger for him, he will fill you with himself. Amen. Isn't God so faithful? This is the attitude we should have. Jesus, I need you. I want you. You're in me. Fill me. As I need you you know we sing those songs right i need you every hour i need you every hour not like i needed you when i was 12 and i asked you in my heart and i'm okay no i need you every hour because you are my righteousness not me not my action not my ability because i've already mourned over that (laughs) and i know i'm broken but jesus makes me whole And if you don't know him this morning and you're trying to do the right thing in your own strength or maybe you're a Christian and you've fallen away like I have at many times and I'm hustling, hustling, hustling to do the right thing and I simply need to trust and hunger for Christ in my life. And what happens after that point, I believe, is the remaining Beatitudes. Then we get to the external things that start happening. We've all been internal, right? But now the external starts to happen. Because blessed are the merciful. Because if you know Christ is in you and you've received his mercy, you become merciful to others. Do you see how it works? When I'm broken, I'm more compassionate to other broken people. Right? If I think I can do it together, my standard is your standard. And you're not living up to it, but I don't realize I can't either. Have you ever met people like that? Why did you do that? Well, sometimes I'm like that. And maybe you are as well. But if I know it's Jesus within me, and if I receive his mercy, then I'm merciful. And then I receive more and more and more mercy. You know... 
It's easy to show mercy to someone you think who is better than you. But the real test is, you, do you show mercy to those who you think are less than you? Do you show them mercy? Are you compassionate? Are you forgiving? And just like the parable of the one who was forgiven much, when the one owned him a few bucks, he grabbed his neck. How do you treat people? Knowing that you've received mercy, do you treat all people with mercy? What is mercy? Not getting what you deserve. So someone's offended you. Well, they owe me. And we hold their offense over their head and we don't forgive them. We don't show them mercy. And yet we've been shown all this mercy. And God says, when you know you're broken, you just have to show mercy. I remember this verse so clearly because, I don't know, maybe some older people in the room, the old daily bread cards with the verses, you know, uh, maybe no one's seen it. But anyways, some of you have. It's a little box and it has these little cue cards and it's got like 50 verses in it. And that was what my family did for like a lot of times at supper. But I was so sneaky, I marked one card, so I always took it. One verse. Everyone else had to read a new one, but I thought I was cool because I read the same one. It was Matthew 5. Happy are the kind and merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. I didn't need the card. I didn't need the marking. It's ingrained in my mind. But what a truth for my mind and your mind. Think about it. Happy are the kind and merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. I can still see the dash on the back of the card. I can still see the print. But may it be ingrained in my heart because I'm broken. I've received mercy and now I need to show mercy. Well, we continue on. Happy are the pure in heart. By the way, it doesn't say clean in heart. We already dealt with that because we're broken. We're inheriting heaven. Now it says pure in heart, not clean in heart. Because when you receive God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, you're clean. But he's saying he wants you to be pure. And a lot of the commentaries I read this week brought this home to me. It's purity in a sense. I'm not distracted by one or two percent, but I'm pure in my heart, not my mind, to do the right thing because of what Christ has done for me. Commentator gave an example of ivory soap. What's its claim to fame? It's 100% pure. No scents. No other chemicals. And it's the cheapest one, too. (laughs) Anyways, father of nine. But, listen, that's what Jesus, our attitude of purity and innocence, that he is everything. That's the attitude he wants us to have. So we're not 2% impure, distracted, not seeing him. You're already clean, right? It's almost like Peter. You got to give me a whole bath, Jesus. I don't got to give you a whole bath. You're clean. I just got to wash your feet, right? It's the same thing. You're cleansed. You've hungered. You've been filled. But now the purity of wanting only him. And what is the promise or the happiness or the blessedness? You shall see God. And as a pastor, how often do I hear? I just can't hear God. 
I used to hear God. I used to read his word and everything jumped off the page. But I don't hear him anymore and forget about seeing him. You know, I just saw a picture from Sunday school. The white guy with the beard. That's all I can see. That's what we're not talking about. The problem is if we're distracted, we're not going to see and hear God. But when we're purely looking at him, knowing we're clean, we will hear from him. I give you a promise. God is not dead, amen? This book is alive. His Holy Spirit is alive. If you will open it in purity to want what He wants, of heart, of heart, not distracted that my heart's a little here, I have an idol there. What did John say? Keep yourselves from idols, my children, because I want purity, all him. God can't stand idolatry. But as I'm looking at him, there's no distractions, no money, no relationships that are distracting me from the truth of him. He will reveal himself to me and you. Are you dry this morning? You might say, I haven't heard or seen God or he hasn't revealed himself to me. Go to this. Your attitude should be to simply have him and have purity of heart because you're clean, but maybe your feet need to be washed this morning to get the distraction away that he may speak to you. Well, after that, it says, happy are the peacemakers. I want you to know in our progression, we've passed from brokenness, we've mourned over our sin, we're meek, we're filled with Christ, we're moving down, and here it is, peacemakers. Happy to be a peacemaker. I want you to realize it doesn't say peacekeeper. That's what I do in my house a lot. Oh, I meant that's what they do for me. <laughs> Dad, take it easy. And maybe the kids are the peacekeepers because dad gets a little excited. (laughs) Or maybe when you have little ones, right? Have your little ones ever had a little squabble here or there? Or maybe you're a boss. Well, you don't know what they did. And we're like, oh, I got to keep the peace. This isn't saying keep the peace. We're not the UN, okay? We're not called to go into a country. We're not called to go in your home and keep the peace. You're called to be a peacemaker, Because if you make peace, you will see peace. Meaning, Jesus is our peace. So if there is a problem, you direct people to Christ, and they will have peace. Thus, you are making peace by showing them Jesus. You know how many promises in the Bible that God really, really is excited for people who share his name and his love? Daniel says they'll shine like the stars. And here, if you're a peacemaker, you shall be called the sons, I will add, the daughters of God. That's amazing. If your object isn't to keep the peace, but make peace, and there's only one way to make peace by Jesus Christ, and you will share him, that's a special place. That's a special place. And each of you has the ability to be a peacemaker, not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus has done. So that comfort you've received 
that inheritance of heaven you've received, that peace that you have received, now as you mature, your attitude should be to share that. Everyone understand? You have a high calling. Go and make disciples. Go and bring peace to a very unpeaceful world. Not called to be a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. Amen? Well, if you're going to do that, I've got news for you. You're going to be persecuted. Hello. This was going well. <laughs> I don't like persecution. I love, these, I love these verses, these last two, right? Like, blessed are those who are persecuted. Okay, for doing the right thing, having Jesus with you. Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But then he gets crazy in verse um, 11 here. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, right? And they say all kinds of evil against you. Oh, I don't like that part. Falsely. And then this. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Wow, what kind of attitude is that? Yeah, people just accused me falsely. They just like hurt me really bad because I was just trying to share about Jesus and live Jesus. And God's saying my attitude should be, not only should be I should be glad. Do you, do you note the words here? Exceedingly glad. You should rejoice. Oh, praise the Lord. Someone just lied about me. You. <laughs> This is so good. (laughs) Well, why? Our attitude's off. And I'm at the top of the list. I love doing these things when I get something I want back. The reality is here, yes, the kingdom of heaven awaits us. But now on earth, as you're going to progress through these attitudes and be broken and mourn and be meek, which the world hates, by the way. Do you hear me? They don't teach that, right? If you're going to understand that Jesus is your righteousness, be completely devoted to him in purity of heart. And if you're going to be merciful and a peacemaker, you will be persecuted. First Timothy makes it clear. All who live a godly life in this world will be persecuted. It might not happen like it's happening in India or China or somewhere else in the world. But I can guarantee you from outside the church and within the church. Did you hear me? You will be persecuted. If you're going to stand up for truth and stand up for Jesus, you're going to take some lumps. I often thought, I've never been persecuted. You know that? Like, no one's tried to stone me. No one's tried to beat me up. I tried to beat up people I was with, but they didn't try to beat me up. Because I was behind them cowering. (laughs) Right? But I'm starting to find out, persecution has many forms. Do you know that? And when it talks about evil and false lies, I think we're all been there and experienced that. But you know what? The attitude we should have is to be exceedingly glad. Exceedingly glad. 
For great is our reward. Because Jesus lived this and Jesus experienced that. And if I can just experience a little bit of what he did, that's amazing. Think in your minds in Acts chapter 4. Disciples whipped, told not to speak his name again. They're like, well, too bad. Because we can't but yet speak the name of Jesus. Because we know he's so real and so powerful. And we've met him and we've touched him and we know him. And then they beat them. And these disciples in the book of Acts, do you know what they do? They get their buddies together and they rejoice. Wow, we got to experience some suffering that Jesus did. I look at that and I think that's amazing. You know what the next thing they did in Acts chapter 4? They threw a prayer meeting and asked God for more boldness. If they weren't bold enough, that they were beaten for their faith and rejoiced. They go back to God and they say, give us more of your Holy Spirit because we want to be bolder. That's very convicting to me. Because when I experience just a little teensy bit of this, I go into my room and I have a little pity party. I'm not mourning over my sin. I'm mourning over someone else's. But blessed, happy are you, Jesus would say to us. Because your reward is coming. And you're being a peacemaker. And happy will you be. Amen? Now what did I say? At the beginning I said, this is opposite of what the world says. Do you understand now? Do you understand? Well, don't get in the middle of that persecution. You just go, don't don't talk about Jesus. It's just going to lead you to trouble. That's not the attitude of Christ. It says in Philippians very clearly we should have the mind of Christ. The attitude of Christ. What is the attitude of Christ? He's been sitting on the ground on the mountaintop teaching us today what the right attitudes should be. The chair has spoken. Jesus Christ. His words. Not mine. Not yours. Amen. And the question is, God, we need your help. I find it very interesting as we close that all these happies and blesseds in this journey, the next section is being salt and light. How are you going to be salt and light in the world if you have the right attitude? You're going to spice things up. And you're going to bring light to darkness. And I've been learning something. You're not called to be light in the church, folks. It says you're called to be light in the world. Do you hear me? We have plenty of light here. But it's a dark place through those doors. And God is waiting for you and I to shine, to bring flavor by having the right attitude. Holy Spirit, would you help us this morning? Amen. Because we cannot do it ourselves. We are broken people. But as we're filled with Jesus, he makes us pure. He makes us peacemakers. 
He makes us merciful. And then, praise the Lord, we get to be persecuted for his glory. So, Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for your word, your grace, and your goodness. Lord, I would ask for your forgiveness. How far our attitudes have been, my attitude has been, so easy influenced by the world. Wanting to be at the top and strong and doing things in my own strength. and That's not your word to us, Lord. So as we hear your word this morning, Holy Spirit, would you help us this week to have the right attitude? To have your attitude? To look at your life and your mercy and your purity. To look at your righteousness, your meekness. Lord, even now, Holy Spirit, would you fill us with your mind and your heart? I think we would all collectively say that we cannot do it, but we believe that you can do it through us. I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, lives within you today. And you have all power as you submit to him to have these attitudes. Stop trying. And die to yourself. And God will fill you. As we hunger, he will fill us with himself. To be like him for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you today. That you are gracious and merciful. That you're comforting. That you give us heaven. Praise you, Jesus. We get to celebrate the forgiveness of Christ now in communion. I don't want you to focus on your failure. We've dealt in some ways with that. But as you look at Jesus, you realize you're completely and utterly forgiven and that you are righteous. And that's why we celebrate communion each week. That's why we end with communion, because truly it is the most important thing as you believe in Jesus Christ to know that you are forgiven and that you are righteous and that you are empowered by his spirit. So would you worship him in the next few minutes? Don't agonize about your failure, but celebrate his forgiveness. Celebrate his victory. Remember his brokenness that made you whole. Oh, Lord, we just worship you today. So the elements are in the back. David will sing quietly, respectfully, worshiping him. You may retrieve them. Hold on to them in your own heart. Give him thanks. See all that he's done this morning. Maybe in the midst of a lousy week, you can still see Jesus and his greatness today. We'll partake together. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you as you get the elements. There'll be brothers and sisters in the back. Let's worship Jesus together now.
hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Shall the weakness watch and pray, Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, All to him I owe. Left a crimson stain, he washed me white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spot. Melt this heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. When before the throne I stand in Him complete Jesus died my soul to save And my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin Crimson stain, he washed me white as snow. He washed me white as snow. Oh, and praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. We will praise the one who paid our debts and raised our lives up from the dead. Jesus paid it all, to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. And Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin the crimson stain he washed me white as snow he washed me white as snow Lord Jesus we praise you this morning truly you are our righteousness 
We are broken people. Sin has ravished us. But you have made us whole. Through your brokenness, through your death on the cross, praise you this morning, Jesus. We worship you. We remember you. Let's take the bread together. We are righteous. We are justified by the blood. We are cleansed. We are clean. So good. This morning, as you remember Jesus, it's almost in a sense that you take a spiritual shower. (laughs) You're cleansed by him. All the junk, all the dirt, all the goop, all that sin... His blood is just washed, washed you. And you are clean this morning as you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Think of that feeling of being clean and pure and white and right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Truly, the kingdom of heaven is ours. We are comforted. We are righteous. And we praise you this morning. Let's take the juice together. Oh, man, that's a great way, huh, to finish anything. We're not going to sing yet, folks. We're going to stay with our tradition. Find someone. I know, some of you will be uncomfortable, but it's okay to be stretched. Find someone else. Find a family member. I want you guys to pray a benediction over them. Pray that they'll be blessed. This morning, stretch yourselves. Find a little group. Pray with them. Pray that we would grow in our attitudes to be more like Jesus. Amen? We'll give you five minutes. Turn and find someone now.